2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma.
1: I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago.
2: You
0: know. no, 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 no. Happy one-year anniversary, belly-up sports fam! <laughs> I still laughed at it. Mr. and Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth welcome to fn sports the podcast with two teachers great sports biggest issues and we are officially one year old happy anniversary mr ainsworth now the question i have for you do one-year-olds both walk and talk because i don't know if we could do both yet
1: <laughs> i've taught third grade and that felt really young for me i do know that i am still waiting on our one-year-old birthday present mr
0: cummings awesome um i am sure that it's in the mail maybe you need to talk to <laughs> mrs cummings because that's the only who handles uh, stuff like that uh, <laughs> mr ainsworth and I are celebrating the one-year anniversary of FN Sports, so we got a special podcast here. That being said, before we get into all of the one-year anniversary festivities, Mr. Ainsworth, let's go ahead and do our Black History Month lesson. Who would you like to highlight this week, sir? So my lesson this
1: week is going to be on Cheryl Swoops. Obviously, if you know anything about Pro basketball or women's pro basketball in the late 90s, early 2000s, her on the floor resume speaks for itself, right? But she's also, as a black athlete, the first woman to have her own Nike sneaker. Frankly, those are really, really cool sneakers. And as someone who now wears a size 12, it's really hard when those things go to women's sizes only because <laughs> while they do translate, it's hard to find the biggest sizes that translate into a men's 12. She also launched a shirts and skins TV show on Logo TV about an openly gay basketball team. She's one of the highest profile openly gay athletes in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so she's ahead of the curve and at the front of the wave on those issues as well. So shout out to Cheryl Swoops. Uh, you know, obviously, we could talk about her college basketball days here in the Lone Star State, but shout out to Cheryl Swoops, Houston comments, R.I.P. Uh, what you got, <laughs>
0: I love that you snuck the comments in there. Uh, Texas Tech, right, Mr. aintor Right, right, right. Absolutely. My Black History Month athlete that I'm going to highlight is Brianna Daniels. Now, if you are familiar with NASCAR, you may know who Brianna Daniels is. If you're not, she uh, played basketball at Norfolk State and became the first Black woman to work on a pit crew in nascar now she did this back in 2017 that being said she's still in nascar still working on pit crews still changing tires so as i think about folks who are really making history in terms of their participation in athletics like i can name one black nascar driver mr ainsworth and that's really because of all of the craziness that happened last year so let's highlight someone who maybe folks don't know about in brianna daniels basketball player made that transition, and is still doing her thing. Shout out, Brianna. Mr. Ainsworth, it is our one-year anniversary, sir. We're going (laughs) to do a special podcast, Gold Star and Detentions for the last year. So uh we will definitely be highlighting some folks who have had an incredible year with us here on FN Sports, and then we will be highlighting some folks who have not done so well, and frankly, need <laughs> to stay in detention. So uh without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to jump into it, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, celebrating the year of FN Sports. It's hard to celebrate the year of FN Sports because the year is 2020. That being said, (laughs) uh, we will celebrate the year of FN Sports with all gold stars and all detentions. I'm going to start with my top five gold stars from the year in FN Sports. So, Mr. Ainsworth, I want to start with an honorable mention. Honorable mention, Sarah Fuller, the Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. place kicker who became the first woman To score a point in a power five football game. And we already talked about the idiots who don't understand football, who don't understand what she was doing on the kickoff. That being (laughs) being said, shout out to her for being a woman and stepping up and, and getting in, right? I mean, she really helped Vandy out. Like, folks who don't know the story, Vandy was down in terms of kickers due to COVID, due to injuries. She plays goalie for the Vanderbilt women's soccer team, division champs, by the way, I believe, or conference champs, I should say, and basically says, hey, listen, I can help you guys out, comes in, steps up, gets on the field, apparently gives the guys a halftime talk, like at one point, too, because she felt like they weren't giving great effort, and it's like... Yeah, I think I want her in my foxhole. So.
1: <laughs> and she is certainly the winningest athlete in that foxhole, right? Vanderbilt's not a strong football program, had a down year, fired the coach, like did not have a great year. And so at the halftime moment, she's the winner to pump up the team, right? Like that's her. <laughs> like
0: she's the one that knows about winning, so she needs to do the talking anyway. <laughs> it's the one time that the kicker can do that. It's the one time the <laughs> kicker can do that. <laughs> so, uh, honorable mention to Sarah Fuller. That being said, Mr. Angels, I'm going to count down. My top five gold stars for this year. I'm going to start with number five, Mr. Ainsworth. Of course, it's Tom Brady. You knew it would be Tom <laughs> Brady. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth and I, actually, I don't know that we disagree that much, Mr. Ainsworth, because we both believe when Tom Brady went to Tampa that it, it definitely enhanced who Tampa was going to be. Right. I think that I was more confident in saying that Tampa's a favorite to get to the Super Bowl, where you were more confident in saying that, you know, Tampa's going to compete, but they're in a tough division, and there's other teams in the NFC. And, uh, you know, we can look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Obviously, my take being what it was, and now Tampa being in the Super Bowl, I look a lot smarter than I probably am. But that being said, uh, Tom <laughs> Brady leaves New England. And what folks, I felt like the storyline was written, Mr. Ainsworth, that Tom Brady had like fallen off a cliff at the end of his New England time. Right. And this was, I think that this was one of our points of contention as well. Because I was under the impression, or my, my, my perspective was that Tom Brady's still solid. Like, he's still great. And I think that uh, part of your perspective was, listen, you see that last playoff game that he played in. It's like, how can you call that guy great, right? And um, he still threw for 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions in his final year in New England. And when he got into that playoff game, it became so evident that he just, did, hey, he had no weapon. He was the weapon. And because he can't, he's not a movement threat the run game gets affected too at some point and so it just felt like to me New England essentially hung him out to dry and I just believed that he would go to Tampa and do the things he's done he threw for over 4600 yards 40 touchdowns this season now he also threw 12 interceptions but we'll ignore those for now he's in the Super Bowl so shout out <laughs> well, to Tom Brady right and I think my biggest thing, and
1: probably the biggest thing we disagree on, and this this is not the thesis right now, but <laughs> is that he like I didn't know if he could like straight up win you a game like an Aaron Rodgers could or like a whoever like like a Patrick Mahomes can or whatever, right? But he's proven time and time again and the reason he gets a gold star at forty three years old is he is not necessarily going to be the reason you lose a game. Right? Like uh, he will absolutely. he's not that guy. And frankly, out of the quarterback position, with how good the rest of their team is. That's
0: good enough. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's all it takes. Uh, Shout out to Tom Brady. And, oh, by the way, New England didn't even make the playoffs this year. Won the division last year, didn't make the playoffs this year. Okay, anyway, we're not doing that thesis. But uh, number five, Tom Brady. Number four, Mr. Ainsworth, in terms of my athletes who deserve a gold star this year, LeBron James, number four. Right. LeBron James. So, Mr. Ainsworth and I were actually having this discussion off pod where we were talking about, like, how much do you place, in terms of value, on the fact that LeBron James has led three different franchises to NBA championships? I don't know where you place that, as opposed to looking at Kobe Bryant, who won all of his with the Lakers, or Michael Jordan, who won all of his with Chicago. Like, I don't know how you place that. That being said, that's darn impressive. And, oh, by the way, he's the MVP in every single one of those finals, and I think we had the argument once on a thesis. Probably should have been the MVP of a couple where he didn't win the championship. Like That's how talented LeBron (laughs) is um so shout out to LeBron I won the championship in the bubble led the Lakers back because when he was injured the year before the Lakers on a playoff team he leads the Lakers back to the playoffs they are in the bubble where people think oh man they got a couple of different teams that could potentially take them out whatever they dominated that playoffs. So a couple of gentlemen sweeps in there. They really never felt tested. And LeBron James finishes second in the MVP. And I think that hindsight is twenty twenty on this one too. Cause I think if you this is another thesis that we had, if you handed out the MVP after the finals, LeBron James would have won the MVP.
1: Right. And I I mean that's not the only year that the award would have changed, right? But it certainly would have changed last year. I'll talk a little I got gold star related some of that in mind uh, when it gets my turn too, but I, I think the biggest thing in looking at LeBron James is that We just talked about Tom Brady being 43 and what that, how crazy that is. LeBron James is 36 and hadn't slowed down a lot either.
0: Like, (laughs) who knows how long we're talking about that name. So. He was literally trending on Twitter the other day because people were talking about how is he getting better at 36 years old. I forget who sent the initial tweet, but people just started jumping on that. Like the fact that LeBron James legitimately looks better than he did last year in certain aspects of his game. And it's just crazy. And even last year, the way that he took over, essentially being the point guard for the Lakers and then leading that team to a championship, elevating Anthony Davis. I, again, LeBron James, obvious, incredible. I mean, there's nothing that LeBron did last year to tell you that he slowed down like um stat wise he leads the league in assists at 10.2 per game um he's second in the MVP voting averaging over 25 points per game if you thought last year was impressive he's still over 25 points per game getting seven assists this year shout out lebron james he's incredible number 3 on my gold star list counting down adam silver adam silver gets hmm. a gold star for last year now here's the thing right mr strangeworth this is one of those uh, gold stars that could definitively change in a week based on everything that happened with Kevin Durant. Uh, but that's that's, not, this yeah. This is not the place for that. I am gold-starring Adam Silver for two reasons. Number one, he was the commissioner who had the foresight and fortitude to shut things down on March 11th when COVID got into his league. Like he said... No, we have to stop this because player safety in terms of making sure this virus isn't transmitting all over the place is important. He shut it down. And I don't know if every league leader would have done that. I know that Adam Silver did it. And it just reinforces for me his ability to really lead in the most difficult situations. When you start thinking about, uh, Donald Sterling and the Clippers from years back and how he handled, how he's handled several different pieces around player empowerment, around, uh uh civil rights within the league and what players have wanted to do. Adam Silver showed that fortitude that he could make the tough decision at the tough time. And he gets props because he brought the league back too. Like he brought back the bubble and the bubble was as successful as any relaunch during the time of COVID. We were able to get the games in, we were able to get our championship in, we were able to get all the awards in and the bubble wasn't overrun with COVID, right? We didn't have these incidences where you had to hear about these athletes who were being afflicted. And now that we're not in a bubble, you're starting to hear about that. But during that time, Adam Silver was the one who led the league in terms of coming back. And oh, by the way, what we forget, consulted with the WNBA on the bubble as well. So right. we had two different leagues that were able to relaunch and had an incredible amount of success in the face of global pandemic. So that's why he's number three on my list. Now, I'm curious, Mr. Ainsworth, because when I said the other two, you got, you were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when I said Adam Silver, you did not give me a resounding, oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> well, I, he's on my list, too. Or he and a larger group are on my list, too. And so I was going to mention that when it gets to be my turn. But what they did between March and November, I'd argue, is, and that's all in the year we're talking about, right, is incredible. Even if we're recording on a Saturday, so so we still don't know the complete fallout from Kevin Durant last night. But even if the current state of the NBA makes us wonder whether or not he deserves a gold star, you know, kids change week to week. So you can give gold stars and det- like, give the gold star last week and detention this week, but certainly the year 2020 was gold star worthy.
0: It would be crazy if, like, when we're doing our two year anniversary, if, like, Adam Silver's on the detention list based on how he handles this whole Kevin Durant situation. <laughs> we should call Odd Shark and just get the odds on that one. Um, <laughs> let's, so, number two on my gold star list is another league leader, another guy who found a way to ensure that his league was able to put on events in the face of a global pandemic and put on live events when no one else was doing it. Number two on my list is Dana White. Now, Mr. Ainsworth, I know that I am the UFC guy, right? As much as I might try to drag you into (laughs) the uh, fight sport world, uh, I know that that's not necessarily your bag. So let me just uh, lay it out there in terms of statistics, right? In 2020, the UFC put on 41 events, 11 pay-per-views in 10 different locations in four different countries. The overwhelming majority of those events happened after we talked about global pandemic. The UFC was the only live Sport that you could find in America during March, April, May. They were still finding a way to put on events. And, you know, at the time, obviously, you could look and say, man, that feels very capitalistic. That feels like maybe we should not be gold starring that guy. But let's go look at what happened in the UFC. Because people were safe. They found fighters who contracted COVID. Those guys were out. They were willing to cancel fights if necessary. They found replacement fighters. And they, the way that they managed their testing and where they are today tells me that their protocols and procedures worked They were able to put on live events. They were able to keep the overwhelming majority of their fighters safe, which also means that they were able to ensure that lots of people were still receiving a paycheck because we forget about that piece when things shut down, right? There are folks who are camera crew members and, you know, they're administrative people within the UFC that if that thing shuts down, their job's gone and they may not be able to come back. Dana White was able to get fights, still put them on. Shout out to him. And I'm a UFC guy, so... We were talking in May, like, this This was what I was watching because it was the only sports that I could find.
1: Well, and I think it's interesting, too, In now that we're in February of 21, we look back, and outside of the bubbles, right, outside of the bubbles you just mentioned, the truth is, is the UFC is as successful as any of them, right? The way, I mean, NFL had its own COVID outbreaks. The NBA is, frankly, in the middle of its own COVID outbreaks. And baseball had their COVID outbreaks. And all the other other leagues had to deal with it as well that did not bubble. And then the NBA is now dealing with it post-bubble. And I would say that, you know, we I was one of them. I'll fully admit that I was the person that was like, ooh, Dana White, we're going to this a little early because it felt a little early. And you could argue, in looking at the numbers and how the fights got pulled off and how quickly they could replace fighters and so on, that they provided an entertainment that was, you know, as good as anything else. Going as far as keeping people safe and any complaint that i sit here with about them now in hindsight right at the beginning it was all projections but in hindsight now any complaint i would have about white and the ufc is really something i could talk about any pro sports right yeah like my thing about like Dana White and the potential spread and like making it feel too normal during a global pandemic when you do as a society make sure we know that this is not normal times or whatever I could say that about the NFL too like it's Super Bowl weekend <laughs> I could, I could, I could say the exact same thing right uh, and so I, I guess that you know shout out Dana White for I, a guy he would have proven wrong right because I would have thought in May like oh man this is a bad idea and you know it's no
0: worse an idea than any other season that's been going on no absolutely shout out to Dana White number two on my list the number one gold star athlete in my opinion in the year that we have done f in sports mr ainsworth i'm betting this is an upset for you number one is mookie betts baseball <laughs> player for the los angeles dodgers now here's the thing with mookie betts mookie plays for the boston red sox i grew up rooting for the new york yankees i played. like in my dna man i hate boston and everything about them but you said it, mr. Hazard, the key word is played he doesn't play for them anymore he plays for the dodgers now and what I love about what Mookie Betts was able to do in this past year was kind of similar to what Tom Brady was able to do in leaving New England, another team that I hate for my youth. Maybe there's a theme there. But what he was able to do was, in his leaving, he demonstrated his value to not only his previous franchise, but also his current franchise. Boston finished in third place in the uh, American League East with Mookie Betts in his final year in 2019, a year in which he batted 295, um he managed to hit not 29 home runs, had 80 RBIs, stole 16 bases, um, and, and, and played incredibly well. Gold Glove, All-Star, all that stuff, Silver Slugger, all those things, right? And he goes to the Dodgers. The Dodgers win the World Series this year. <laughs> the Dodgers win the World Series. Mookie Betts plays 55 games during the regular season, 16 home runs, 39 RBIs, uh, bats 292, uh, steals 10 bases, wins another Gold Glove, wins another Silver Slugger, his first team all Major League Baseball he had an incredible year and the Dodgers are able to get to a championship and so when I look at impact on the field as well as impact with this previous franchise because oh by the way Boston finished fifth in the AL East without Mookie Betts when I look at all of those pieces together Mookie Betts for me is the number one gold star okay parker so the thesis statement for this commercial is james harden has the best beard in sports what do you think about that thesis statement
1: oh i give it an a you know as a houston guy we we seem to have an affinity for our beards. between guys like him dallas keiko lots of big beards in the houston area what do you think about the thesis
0: so i'm a jets fan and i absolutely love the beard that ryan fitzpatrick has so maybe i would give ryan fitzpatrick the nod over james harden but
1: The year that we've had this podcast or the majority of 2020. And I'm thinking about gold stars. I end up thinking about a lot more groups, which I think is interesting because you went very individual on a lot of your gold stars. And that's just interesting, like difference. Like if I look at groups, I'm going to look at a bunch of Houston coaching hires. <laughs> point. It wasn't necessarily some of the coaches that the athletes might have wanted. <laughs> um, but you know, as we currently stand here in February of 2021, all of the three major pro sports teams in Houston, the Rockets, Astros, and Texans have blackhead coaches. And that's very, very rare for for a city to have all of theirs, and certainly for a city to have one of each of the pro sports. Like, you can look at like LA had the Chargers and Clippers and Dodgers at one point, but those are like, I don't know if you, how much of you guys know LA, but like a Clippers fan is not always a Dodgers fan, is not always a Chargers fan, right? Yeah, the city absolutely. kind of divides the same way New York does. And so in Houston, it's like, if you like a, Major pro sports team, your team has a blackhead coach currently. Uh, and so that's, that's a something worth, I think, giving them a gold star for, even if it means we're running Deshaun Watson out of town, even if it means that <laughs> they didn't get the guy James Harden and Russell Westbrook won You know, whatever that, the, it's not bad that be. Russell Westbrook's out of here now. Like when you see him yeah. play now, <laughs> I think, I think definitively Houston won that trade. But that's, <laughs> that's <you> know, <laughs> there. individuals. If I look at a couple honorable mention gold stars, look at obviously we can talk about Patrick Mahomes and the crazy year he's had. As far as just dominating football, I mean, as a starter, he's never lost a game by more than seven points. Um, I'm saying that as a on Saturday, so now if they get blown, this am going to look like an idiot. But uh, And then I can ditch myself next year, but he's just an incredible young athlete. I also was going to give a gold star of the entire Miami Marlins for Kim Ng and kind of the the movement that starts i don't know that there's ever been a woman more deserving and looking at her resume after the fact i'm not gonna act like i know a lot about her before it but certainly hiring kim Aang in the role that they did is you know powerful movement for a franchise that frankly is kind of looked at as like this like they fleece out their young guys every so often um, kind
0: of a joke right kind of a laughing <laughs> yeah, stock. but yeah, i will yeah. say this gold star ends up kind of going to Derek jeter so i'm all for it
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so if i look at my the gold stars i'm handing out five four three two one number five I'm going to give it to really a thing, but that thing is kind of (laughs) going to go to a group of people that needed to work really quickly to get this turned out. And I'm going to give it to the folks that got the last dance documentary turned out when they did, uh, that was a dark time for sports fans <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? The COVID pandemic was in full force. We were all stuck at home and there were, with, you know, rare exception, no sports to be watched. Uh, there was nothing that felt like live sports. And for a handful of Sundays, we had two hours on Sunday evenings that felt like we were watching live sports again. I know that we weren't, right? We're watching old footage of Michael Jordan and like entirely propaganda. And ent- as someone with a bunch of <laughs> Jordan sneakers behind me as we record this, like, I totally get that I bought the- or buy the hype on his airness. But I will say that. For two hours, whether it was live tweeting, or people writing about it before and after, or people tweeting about it the next or day. Podcasts or podcasts people... making thesis about it. Right. Whatever the case may be, it functions like live sports at a time when we had very little live sports. And so shout out to those guys for pulling that off when they did. Because while that documentary was always going to be made, it was not play- they were not planning on <laughs> launching it that fast. And so that as people that make and edit
0: podcasts, I can tell you that, that, take, that would take a long time. And so shout out to them. No, absolutely. And let me just say this. In like the most positive way I could possibly mean this... I think that sports fans all took that personally, and I mean that. <laughs> and I mean that's the biggest
1: possible compliment. Um, in a similar vein, uh, I actually want to give a gold star to the NFL, uh, again, another group, but it's really, it's not just Goodell, and not just the owners, and not just ESPN, and the way that they function and televise in the NFL, but the NFL draft was another seemingly seamless live sporting event at a time when we did not have many of those. That yeah, we
0: were it, nervous about on this
1: podcast. Right, completely, completely nervous about, and, you know, at the time, it was like, how's is going to feel at all like an NFL event and then it happened and it's not that it didn't fe- it's not that it felt exactly like an NFL event it's that it didn't feel that different uh it, it you know you still got to see the emotional moment for kids you still got to see uh the kids hear their names for the first time you still got to have all the same anal- analysis and everything and so as far as a moment on the sports calendar they really without budging pulled it off fairly well and so I think that's worth commending at the time it's hard to get yourself in February of 21 back in the headspace we were all in, in <laughs> April of 20. but that was something I would have even thought was possible and so shout out to them gold star to them I believe
0: we actually said that it's not possible like if you go back and check out the catalog <laughs> I believe that both of us were like oh this can't go off like why aren't they just moving this and then you're right it went off and it was incredibly successful and it did bring a sense of normalcy for football fans and of course it changes the lives for so many young men for whom that was their dream and the global pandemic is not their fault so they didn't have to uh, as Langston Hughes once wrote they didn't have to have their dream deferred right
1: when people talk about missing moments in 2020 and seniors missing this and that of whatever and seniors in college that's a bunch of people's i mean that's living a dream and it got they got to pull it off my third gold star so you talked a little bit about a couple of these people individually and your gold stars i was going to gold star the nba whether that's adam silver the association of the owner the nba the nbpa whoever you want to give it the most credit for for The way that they both shut down in March and the way they pulled off the bubble. Like you mentioned in your Gold Star Shaka, the the idea that they were at the forefront of, you know, oh crap, we got to shut this thing down real fast uh, when it hit their (laughs) league. I don't know that every sports league would have done that. I think that in many ways as a country, we should feel somewhat lucky that it hit that league that way because other leagues would not have done that, right? Um, And it, it certainly, there's... No legal direct tie, but it felt like when the NBA shut down in the second full week of March the world shut down like i, I and i don't i don't at the world being here in america right but the like the world i'm immediately living in but i don't know <laughs> like that there's my any, world my <laughs> world <laughs> i don't know that there's anything such as a like actual direct tie i don't know if you could like find some politician in a local government saying well since the nba shut down we have to shut down or whatever too Da da da. but if it had hit a sports league and i'm not gonna throw anyone on the bus right now but that maybe was not going to shut down i don't know that you necessarily have the same widespread shutdowns that saved an unknown amount of lives like you can't calculate how many people got saved because of a shutdown in late march even though obviously like you can't shut down forever and those kind of things but the idea that we shut down when we did and started trying to figure out what we could and opening up safely and so on. Because I'm going to be honest, the weekend before the NBA shut down, I had a normal weekend. I had a normal go out for dinner, go out and do this, see a friend here. Like nothing felt different. The world was really happening at the exact same time. Like, I, And so the idea that the NBA shut down, the world shut down. And then they launched the bubble, which again, the same vein as the NFL draft, the same vein as the Last uh, last Dance documentary to have a entertaining product pulled off safely, um, I was fearful as anyone when they launched the bubble about what's going to happen when COVID gets into the bubble because then they're all on top of each other. Well, guess what? It didn't. And so I'll, I'll totally own being wrong on that. It didn't. And then outside of Daniel House, breaking his own- Like literally curfews. trying to get
0: somebody on top of each other? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Outside of him breaking curfew, there really weren't a whole lot of instances of anything even being close. So I, I think that all groups involved in that, which includes LeBron and the Lakers winning it because- again, these pro sports leagues are people with jobs, and we're entertained by their jobs. And so that they pulled off their job as well as could be asked, and we still got entertainment out of it. it you know, At its core level, that's all those things those leagues are trying to do and so shout out to the NBA for doing that
0: I would feel remiss if we didn't mention that one of the best things to come out of the bubble was the fact that we found out that Lou Williams has his own signature chicken wings so <laughs> shout out there as well
1: speaking of entertainment again talk about entertainment there felt like a week worth of commentary about like nightclub gentleman club <laughs> life in Atlanta <laughs> like, and the no, menu you're... there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no these are really good like some people really do just get to go food from these like anyway that was crazy the lone individual on my list but I I feel like he needs to be mentioned and this might be the old alignment in me is <laughs> Renee Tardif. We watched Kansas City Chiefs play in Super Bowl this weekend. Watched crazy year they had. One of their better players and one of their, you know, especially with the injuries they have going to Super Bowl, you could argue, more important players uh, is a guard who is also an MD. And I don't mean like he is like kind of smart. I mean like he actually is a doctor. And so at the start of the season, when people were opting out, he opted out to go be on the front lines fighting COVID in his home country of Canada. And they're a really great Reports and stuff out there if you want to look up more about Duvernay Tardif. You know, Pablo Torre did a great job on ESPN Daily about it. We talked some about it on this pod at various points if you go back and go through the catalog. But I think the biggest thing is in like the most offensive lineman way possible, or at least to me, the most offensive lineman way possible, he was like, listen, I don't need to be big and famous and on the football field right now. I need to go help someone out. And so he, with his medical degree, went to the front lines of COVID. There's all these stories about how, you know, his live in girlfriend uh, is. I think they're more than that now. I think they're fiancés now, but is uh, has pre-existing conditions, and so he rented a second apartment so he could go and like sterilize and clean before coming home after fourteen-hour shifts. The kind of things the guy is putting himself through as a doctor, which is really probably not crazy different than what a lot of doctors and people in medical field are going through, but he had the option to go play football. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, and, and so he turned all of that down, turned down a season the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl to go help people out. And so I was going to give him as my lone individual gold
0: star here at number two. One of the few doctors that probably took a pay cut, right? Because right. Uh, his NFL salary, like all of that you have to consider when he decides that he's going to be on the front lines battling COVID and does it at a time where, frankly, we don't know all the things that we know now. I mean, now maybe, I don't know. He's He definitely put his livelihood at risk to help others. So shout out for sure. Completely. And then my last gold star goes to
1: really a handful of NBA teams and players. I'm going to spotlight the Milwaukee Bucks for starting it but in the bubble one of the things that maybe just as a history teacher I think we'll look back at as like a historic sports moment from the year Um, but the Milwaukee Bucks deciding to protest by not playing and postponing games like they were really willing to take a forfeit until other NBA teams jumped in Uh, specifically George Hill and Sterling Brown for opening up and talking about it immediately but following Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin uh, very close to Milwaukee they decided not play basketball game and make the country talk about something more important and I think that we'll talk about how entertaining these sports are and how much we enjoy and discuss and debate and analyze and how all-encompassing it is and how, frankly, it's the ultimate escapism. Like, we get all in, all in, all in. They're like, no, 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 there are bigger things happening right now that we need to talk
0: about. Absolutely. Shout out to everyone in the NBA who was on the front lines in terms of civil rights and Black Lives Matter. From one black man to that entire league of black men, I appreciate you. And so now we're going to jump in and kind of flip the coin a little bit and look back at... Some of the awful
1: sports things that happened in 2020 (laughs) as we look back at this at the year for our podcast. And I say sports things because, like, It has been an awful year for lots of people for lots of reasons. Sports, obviously, like I just mentioned, is a great escapism and way to dive into things and and just kind of escape those things. But sometimes the sports things are bad and can feel worse. They're not actually worse, (laughs) they can feel worse, right? And so I'm going to hand out some detentions for things that I feel like went worse. I guess I can't just hand it to Rudy Gobert, but an honorable mention I was going to hand out was going to be to Rudy Gobert or COVID and sports in general, because it's certainly that period of time, we had to do it, right? We had to have time without sports to kind of, reassess and reconfigure and figure out how to do things safe and so on i, I just that time without sports sucked and so like i don't, I don't know i was so bluntly put it so if my honorable mention was going to go to go bear or just like somehow COVID and sports in general let
0: me just say the go Bears a lot higher on my list <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then number five, I'm counting down 54321 on my detentions, is actually shaka to the two of us because for whatever reason, <laughs> whenever we latch onto a team or a thing, something goes wrong. We had a whole thesis and discussed the realities of could the Seattle Seahawks go undefeated? That sure <laughs> didn't happen. We had a whole podcast and thesis talking about could the Pittsburgh Steelers go undefeated, and that sure didn't happen. We had a whole podcast and thesis where we talked about could BYU upset things and shake up the top four, (laughs) and they literally lost... Within a week (laughs) My Mormon card
0: Got taken away After that (laughs)
1: um, And so For whatever reason We Maybe we should Start talking about uh, Things that like Are in the way Of the Houston Or New York sports teams Because clearly (laughs) We're getting in our own way With a lot of this And so uh, Detention to us For jinxing everything
0: No absolutely We can't wait For the Dallas Mavericks To win their division And for the (laughs) There you go So there you go Um, Incidentally How many games Has Dallas won? Like the Dallas football team Is about to win more games Than the Mavericks (laughs) Um, If I'm
1: looking at actual specific sports events, not just two teachers talking about it, my number four detention goes to, kind of got swallowed a lot of the year, but the Novak Djokovic disqualification. Anyway, Djokovic getting disqualified felt weird because I remember, I don't know if you remember, he like got frustrated and hit a tennis ball and it like got in the same vicinity as the line judge and so he got tossed, you know. I don't know how many more times the Joker is going to get to play in a major on television for us. And that was again also at a time when we needed sports on television to have some inter- like
0: I don't want I don't want to see the Joker thrown out. I want to see the Joker playing. <laughs> my wa- my mom is a huge fan of tennis and she calls him Jerkovich. And when he did that, <laughs> I I absolutely understood why. <laughs> um, and
1: then much closer to home, right? Because Djokovic is from nowhere near my home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> much closer to home, I'm going to detention. Houston sports, because while they got an honorable mention for hiring <laughs> a bunch of coaches, I want you guys to go back and remember at the start of 2020, we're sitting here and the Houston Rockets small ball thing is like something silly, like seven and zero or eight and zero. Like it is looking great. The Houston Astros are coming off of an ALCS and looking great. And the Houston Texans have Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt and are up 24 to nothing on the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) And then within 48 hours, you have the Rockets lose twice. Not the biggest deal because you have the Texans become the first franchise to go from up 20 to losing by 20 in a single playoff game. (laughs) And if that weren't enough, Within that same forty-eight hours, like the Monday after that football game is when the Houston Astros trash can scandal becomes public knowledge. Like it hit the press, and so I guess the continued fall off, right? Because then small ball doesn't work. Russell Westbrook is injured and has COVID or whatever. Da da da. In the bubble, things. And then a month later, they're all asking out. Houston, in the offseason, traded away DeAndre Hopkins for what feels like pennies on the dollar because they didn't even really use the running back they got back for him. And now Deshaun Watson wants out. As of the recording of this podcast, he is still a Houston Texan, but is really like he took it off his social media profile, so maybe not. And the other thing <laughs> I say is like the Astros did get back to another ALCS uh, they actually almost came back from down three one in said ALCS, but they're starting to fall apart too. You know, they're signing with the Toronto Blue Jays, they're they're leaving, they change managers and and so on. Teams are catching up, and so th- that golden era ended really really fast. Whether you want to talk about it being in that forty eight hours or in the. Seeming
0: 48 months, although it's been about 12 since. It's been wild. Folks ask me, like, why did you guys start the podcast a little bit later in the year? It's because I couldn't get Parker out of a hole for the month of January. <laughs> <So> that's why.
1: <laughs> it was a dark, dark time. <laughs> <laughs> My my second detention goes to Kelly Loeffler, you know, and I guess it feels does it feel bad to detention someone who also lost her race in Georgia? But I, I think the big thing there was to me she had not won an election to get seated in 2018, right? And so she is a sitting Congressperson, and she also owns the Atlanta Dream. Uh, the Atlanta Dream were very socially active in all of the Black Lives Matter and other social movements of 2020, and she was very vocal about not being. In favor of that, which is kind of weird when you run, at least own, I guess her her running should be questioned, but own a sports team in a league that, like, if you want to look at leagues in the front of social justice, the WNBA is always at the front. Right, like, why would you buy into that league if you have no? What do you do? I don't mean to be rude. But there's not a lot of money to be made, and I, I just don't. I don't get why you would do that. To then come out and be outspokenly against the things, and then to have your team turn on you. Her team wore "Vote for Warnock" t-shirts to all of their teams Who was her opponent, and who then beat her in the runoff election in January? It, that's a bad look, man. And so I think that she. You could argue she got what she deserved in a lot of ways, and losing her seat and being kind of. This joke of an owner across sports, but detention to Kelly Leffler because that is not a good look. Uh she will also be coming up in my detention. <laughs> <laughs> and then my my last detention, I want to talk to you a little bit about this one, Shaka, because I don't know that anyone at least I sit as we sit here and look at it now. It's not that anyone necessarily did anything wrong, but frankly, right before we started recording this podcast, in the year twenty twenty, I was gonna detention just helicopter crashes in general. Kobe Bryant passed away in January, or late January, January twenty sixth of twenty twenty, and obviously that dominated the NBA storylines and put some magic on the idea that the Lakers won the title that year. Uh, frankly, if, if we're looking at of this, I could not imagine a better leader to have spoken to the crowd in LA a couple nights later when they had their first home game in Staples uh, than LeBron James. And so I'm glad that he is the leader of that team for that because that obviously he, he was very did did a very good job in Leading that team and, and movement of sorts uh, to remember him, it, it just hit hard in a way that maybe because it's sudden, maybe because it's tragic, or, or whatever it may be. Uh, but Kobe and Kobe, his daughter Gigi, and a handful of other close friends and their children were obviously in the helicopter that crashed and all passed away. And that was tough. And what's crazy, Shaka, and I want to hear this is where I want to hear you talk about too, is I was not a diehard Kobe Bryant fan. I'm not a Kobe Bryant's stand of any measure. I frankly, if you ask for my basketball take on it, I sit here and look at the two thousands and kind of think of that as a Tim Duncan era. And if I look at the Lakers, I, I kinda of think of that as a, you know, a Shaq thing or, you know, obviously present day LeBron thing. I, I'm not sitting here saying and I'm not like I enjoy basketball arguments, but it hit deeper than that. I don't know if it was the kid aspect or or what happened. I think what was evident as a fan of the game of basketball is Kobe Bryant is your favorite player's favorite player. Like if you watch (laughs) basketball in 2020, in 2021, the impact, whether it's they all wear his sneakers, whether it's they all watched his moves growing up, whatever it may be, it impacted the guys we root and cheer for in in a way that resonates wholeheartedly. Like we we root for these guys and feel like we know them because we watch them so often and root for them and get super attached to how well – like their good days are our good days and their bad days are our bad days, right? And it hurt watching your heroes cry on – it hurt feeling like what they're watching them cry on national television when it happened. And every single time it comes up, it's tear jerky. Um, the UConn letter that the UConn, men's va- the UConn women's basketball team published a couple of days ago, they'd received from Gigi about how, you know, g- good luck, go get them next time after some kind of a lost thing with very clear children's handwriting. Like, like just every single bit of it really, really gets you in the gut. And I'm sitting here saying, like, like again, like, legitimately cried real tears at various points in the last year thinking about looking at it, whatever. And... He wasn't even like some guy was obsessed with. He was just that important, right? Um, I, I could go on a long time talking about how I, I feel like the thing that got stolen from us is really the things he was going to do after basketball um, and, and how important he was seeming to be the future of the game, right? But man, like that was the gut punch of the year, and it was right at the start of it.
0: No, absolutely. You've spoken eloquently about the entire Kobe situation. Just a few points, and the first being that one of the things we talked about off pod as it relates to Kobe, was that I don't think that a lot of for a lot of people, if you weren't an LA Lakers fan, I don't know that you necessarily were this big Kobe fan because you probably hated him because he was a villain, right? He was the guy who beat your team <laughs> a lot, like a lot, like maybe scored eighty one on your team. Um, <laughs> so uh, just ask Jay Johnson about that. But um, so you you may not have really liked. Kobe, and for you, he was a villain, but what he made you do, he made you respect him. Now, like you respected how hard he competed, and so when he passes there's a lot of us it 's like it brings your mortality into question because he 's so young uh, he just come off of uh, basically winning an Oscar the year before, and so you see it 's not just his future in basketball, his future period seems so incredibly bright. I sit here doing this podcast right now, Mr. Ainsworth. Wearing the orange WNBA sweatshirt. Why am I wearing that? (laughs) I'm wearing that hoodie because Kobe wore it, right? Kobe wore it. We all saw it. And then we all wanted to be in our own ways engrossed in the things that were Kobe Bryant, right? And so whether it's his future in entertainment, what he was doing for women's basketball, it just felt like mortality got brought into a situation that you were not ready for, for a guy that you wanted to hate, but you respected so much for how he competed, it it, it definitely brought conflict to people. Um, The other thing that I think uh, it, it it kind of brought up for folks, I love the concept that you mentioned, which is he was your favorite player's favorite player. I think about the, and I talked to Mr. Answers about this off pod, I think about the tweet from Ryan Clark, and I don't have the exact tweet pulled up, but it was something like, the reason why I used to go so hard after people who try to dog Kobe is because I loved him so much and it's only in him dying that I realized you guys loved him too and I think that for a lot of people it was only in his death that we realized how much we appreciated Kobe Bryant like we didn't actually recognize that appreciation until he was gone and Mr. Ainsworth, there's two teachers. If there's not a lesson in that, man, I don't know what is. Completely. I don't know what you... So, obviously, I'm a sports guy, and we have, like, advisories or whatever
1: at my school. And so, like, we talked about it a little bit the next day, because as a sports guy, they usually give me, in my advisory, sporty-type people, right? People <laughs> that, um, that enjoy sports the same way. And, you know, I somewhat... Anyway, I, it, in hindsight, it might not have been a great idea, but I I, should, I, I, be, I played the the brief short film that the, he got the Oscar for that you mentioned, and we talked about... I, but the goal was to talk about like, you know, when you really are passionate about something, it's the same relationship as like, because the movie is about loving basketball as if we were a person, right? And it can be the same relationship. You go all in, you dive face first, and you, even if it's this inanimate thing or whatever it is, you just go all in. I played the movie with the expectation to have that conversation, and I turned the lights on, and like three kids stormed out of the room because they were crying. Like, I was like, oh, God, this is bad. bad um, <laughs> the day that this answer gets
0: fired from his teaching job. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: I'm still there. But um, so they got back from the restroom and wiping tears from their eyes and so on. We talked about it, that stuff, too. And I think, I think it still hit. But clearly, like, those are kids that, again, I teach middle school kids. They're like 13 years old. They weren't around or paying attention to basketball when he got 81. They weren't around or paying attention to basketball when he won back-to-back finals MVPs. They weren't, I mean, they were like alive, I guess, but they weren't paying attention. These guys are people that remember the 60 points on 50 shots against, you know, on like ESPN2 late at night in 2016 when they were like seven years old. Like this, these are not people that necessarily had super strong ties to Kobe Bryant from like growing up watching him play a lot, however, it still like hits a core to that generation of basketball fans, just like it hits a core with generation of myself, right? What if I was born in ninety one? You have a bunch of people that like he was their first favorite player, that kind of missed the Mike Jordan era,
0: and like, oh, this guy's good. Let's watch that guy, and that was their take. Incidentally, you didn't miss the Michael Jordan era; you just caught the Michael Jordan Wizards era, and that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't as good as the Bulls <laughs> era. <laughs> Well, when you do a podcast with another person for a year, it shouldn't be a surprise that we think a lo- very similarly about a lot of things. And you'll find <laughs> that out with these detentions. So um, I'm going to start with uh, my honorable mention detention in terms of the year that FN Sports has been on. My honorable mention detention goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. And listen, Giannis (laughs) is great. I don't want to act like he's not, okay? He is incredible. He's won the last two MVPs, and in the uh, bad year, he averaged 27 points, right? Like, uh, last year, put up 29 points a game. Like, the rebound numbers, the assist numbers, he's incredible. He is the Greek freak, and he still has not made it to an NBA final. In fact, he made it to the conference finals two years ago, and Kawhi Leonard, I literally remember having the conversation at the lunch table with fellow educators where they tried to tell me that Giannis was going to beat Kawhi, and I was like, I feel like you guys don't watch the game. Like Kawhi's got some heart. He's not just going to let his team go down. I'm picking Toronto to get to the final. And then they did. And once again, I was right. So um that's one of the reasons why I bring that up. But the other thing as well <laughs> is that last year for me was so disappointing for Giannis and that team. It felt like they were set up to get to the finals. COVID hit, and I felt like they never recovered. Like they got back into the bubble, but it was never the same for them. Um And then you, you mentioned the Jacob Blake piece. Like it, it was never the same for that team in right. the bubble. And so honorable mention that Giannis is the copo in terms of detention. Um, because I felt like there should at least be a finals appearance in the last two years. But now we go to our top five detentions from Mr. Cummings for dun, this dun, year. Dun. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Paul George. Um, <laughs> because. <laughs> While Giannis was disappointing, Paul George literally Kawhi signs with the Clippers, and the only reason why he signs with the Clippers is because he can go there and be there with Paul George. Because he believes that now this team is set up to go and fight against LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. And maybe they would have fought well. But they don't make it there because they can't get past the Denver Nuggets. And if you go look at Paul George's numbers from that series, let's just say that I'm not blaming Kawhi Leonard for that. And frankly, (laughs) Paul George has never been on a team and led them anywhere, really. I mean, he did get to an Eastern Conference final one year with Indiana. But the reality is, is that when he leads your team, your team doesn't do the things that maybe you would expect them to do. And now what we're finding out is that. When He's second fiddle on your team. Your team is supposed to make it to the finals, um, and you know, take out the king and maybe win the championship. You don't do that either, just ask Doc Rivers. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> number five, Paul George, uh, complete
1: playoff. P. I would also point out that like the year, before, <laughs> the, year, the year before, like, he was second fiddle to Russell Westbrook and they didn't get out of the first round. Uh, I'd also like, I think Paul George is destined to be like his career will always be defined as he came back from one of the most gruesome injuries I ever saw, right? And it's not that. That's not impressive. That's just that's going to end up going down as the most impressive thing he does because I think they need more firepower in LA besides him. Like he needs to be number three, really, right? Because if he's your third best player, you're obviously tremendous. But he's your second best player, and there are games when they count that
0: he's not there for, or like he shoots, you know, two for ten for. He's, He's, you know, that's not good enough. He could be your second best player if LeBron's your first. But otherwise, no, not really, right? So um, let's wave bye-bye to Paul George like we're Dame Willard. Um, number four <laughs> on the detentions list, Kyrie Irving. And now here's the thing, Miss Ainsworth. I feel like you're going to maybe disagree with me a little bit on this. But what I'm going to say about Kyrie is the thing that I said a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, which is you can be a good person. And be incredibly immature. And his detention is really about his immaturity. Let's talk about the bubble. Kyrie Irving was one of the players who was very vocal about whether or not we should go into the bubble. And now in hindsight, we look back on that and we say, well, maybe he has some validity to it. But let's also remember all the detail that went into that situation. Which was part of the reason why he said he didn't want to do the bubble, people believed, was because the NBA told him he couldn't go. Because he couldn't play. And he wanted to go and be in the bubble with his teammates even though he wasn't going to play in the games. So when stuff like that comes out, like, that's immaturity as much as anything else. Now, I understand his perspective, we can look at and decide whether or not we agree or disagree with, but the immaturity that leads you to that perspective, like, I can't ignore that. I can't ignore the fact that the Brooklyn Nets expect him to play, and he, he basically dips for a couple of weeks and doesn't tell his head coach. Then when he comes back and the media wants to ask him about it, he acts like he's holier than thou and doesn't have to have that conversation with the media. And I know we're going to disagree on this, Mr. Ainsworth, because let me just say, the whole Maxis Nice beef is ridiculous. And that's Kyrie's fault, in my opinion. For those of you guys who are unaware, you are probably Mm -hmm. aware of the videos that Maxis Nice does because he does these videos where he makes fun of the mannerisms of NBA players, right? So he runs like zion williamson or he wears the fake beard like lebron and he does the you're gonna be mad at me but he does the travel that james harden does when he's doing the crab (laughs) dribble or whatever Uh, like he does all that and it's incredibly funny he gets lots of hits on uh, youtube and twitter and all these places right absolutely
1: for people people who don't know he is he's a youtube star that makes fun of nba players
0: absolutely that's just just absolutely and so the latest video that he did was one where You basically have guys playing in the foreground and he's in the background pretending to be Kyrie Irving burning paper. And then the paper, you know, burns his hands. He throws it down. He starts stepping on and he puts it out with water. For me, as I watch that video, that video is obviously meant to be comedic and not meant to be taken personal by anyone. But if you do things like that, someone who is immature responds back and then says, don't make fun of my indigenous ancestry or that ceremony is one in which the guy is satire. Like, when you come back at a comedian, then don't be mad because the comedian is more witty than you and then comes back and he makes you look foolish. Now now Max is nice is challenging him to a boxing match, which, does that have anything to do with anything? No, that dude is just trying to be famous, like he's going to milk this, but you allowed him to milk it, Kyrie, instead of just ignoring it. Like, whatever, it's funny. If you don't think it's funny, then it's not funny and just ignore it and move on. Like, that doesn't take any time out of your day. Anyway. That's the level of immaturity that I feel like I consistently see from Kyrie, and I've consistently seen it in 2020, and I've actually felt like I've consistently seen it before we had this podcast, but he's number four
1: in this podcast. so <laughs> I, I think Kyrie is continuing to be one of the most interesting people, not because he's holistically all good or holistically all bad, and I think that's what's interesting is he'll say a thing like, we shouldn't be playing in the wake of what happened on January 6, 2021. And, like, that's not an awful idea. Like, he's, you know, if they if they took time off after the Jacob Blake shoot, he'd be like, hey, there are more important things to basketball going on. You could certainly argue that a, an insurrection of the Capitol would be more important things than basketball going on. And then it's like you're saying, but the way he does it is, like, he doesn't tell anyone he's just gone for 10 days. Like, 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 yeah, like, like it's I, like, yeah. what do you, right? Or, or whatever. Um, and so I think that's what's interesting and fascinating about him is that, it's completely like this, like roller coaster of like, what's he doing? What's he doing? Because it's not all good. It's not all bad. Like when the J- when the Milwaukee Bucks protested in the bubble, right? They were like, well, make it- maybe Kyrie Irving was right. But also the context of Kyrie Irving was he's on the NBA PA and voted to go to the bubble and then comes out against <laughs> it afterwards after he gets told he can't go because he's on the IR and so like that's got to be a piece of it too the flat earth thing was really I think the point he's trying to make is like don't believe everything you read but like we should also believe that the earth is round because even
0: if I I read how about we believe the things that we can research like you can research and mathematically prove the roundness of the earth so he's right in the sense of don't believe everything that you believe but when you start to just religiously fall for the flat earth foolishness then you actually (laughs) disprove your point because the point then becomes okay maybe we shouldn't believe everything that we read But maybe you should read. You know what I'm saying? I just
1: think he's fascinating in that way. And the funny thing is with the Mac is nice thing, I think it makes sense to me that he'd be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. But like don't get more upset than that, because like you're saying, like, it is satirical. You know he's gonna make fun of you. That's how he that's how he makes his money being a YouTuber making fun of NBA players. Like and so (laughs) I understand Kyrie making the comment, like, dude, come on, like don't make fun of that. But like that's where it's got to be left <laughs> like like once you've made your comments said your piece carry like hey i don't think that's
0: cool then leave it alone like don't say like, <laughs> like don't,
1: that's all it's got to be after that
0: my number three on my detentions list is kelly leffler and mr ainsworth eloquently spoke about <laughs> uh ms leffler the the pieces that i'm just going to contribute in addition to kelly leffler has this senate election this year in 2020 the runoff against warnock and there is a an incredible irony to the fact that if she doesn't own the atlanta dream maybe she wins the election but she Almost got invo- she gets involved with the atlanta dream and in getting involved with the atlanta dream she decides that she's going to gung-ho be against the uh black lives matter being painted on the court and Uh, the discussions around civil rights that are at the forefront for many WNBA players, that's providing them a platform to not only speak to their beliefs around civil rights, but also to openly work against her and undermine her campaign for re-election. Like, she provided that platform by talking. No one was wearing Vote Warnock shirts until she came out and talked about what the WNBA shouldn't be doing. So she essentially put herself in the... She put herself... In the situation that then allows her to lose the election to Warnock, which, friends, go do the research. The WNBA is as important in the movement to turn Atlanta and the state of Georgia blue as almost any individual except for... Uh, Stacey Abrams so that's that
1: we should shout out Stacey Abrams so she obviously deserves a gold star if this were not a just sports or sports adjacent podcast but I will say that if I look at the the Atlanta Dream brought all the donations that came from outside of Georgia to Warnock like he had (laughs) he had a lot of donations that got him to the runoff right if you look at it like from a political strategist kind of way to get to the runoff they had all these donations and all the support from outside of Georgia obviously within the runoff There's a greater context and the way that it shapes Congress and so on. So he gets donations afterwards then, too, from non-WNBA sources. But how many people, in reaction to the WNBA news that don't live in Georgia, supported Warnock
0: before the runoff even happened? Absolutely. I mean, and to your point, the first person who I remember wearing the Vote Warnock shirts and having the conversation is Sue Bird. Sue Bird plays for Seattle. (laughs) Seattle. She's not playing for Atlanta. (laughs) That's almost across the country.
1: That's like as far across the country as you can get.
0: That's almost literally as far across the country as you can get. Like this side of Alaska and Hawaii. Um, (laughs) uh, Number two on my detention list, Mr. Ainsworth, the Houston Astros. Now, the Houston Astros, (laughs) the only reason why they are number two is because... All their dirty dealings and really the investigation actually happens before we have the podcast. But what uh, folks don't know is that our pilot episode, the unaired secret pilot that will come out later. Um, <laughs> the pilot episode was us talking about the Houston Astros and whether or not their World Series deserves an asterisk. So that really was the first conversation that we had. And in that conversation, I firmly believe this. The Astros are, a, they are the villain of all villains. They cheat to win a World Series championship. And rather than having contrition and just listen even if you're not sorry pretend to be <laughs> how many times we say that to middle school students you don't have to be sorry just pretend that you're sorry right act like you have empathy man um th- they could have done that right and All instead right. they were they were defiant they were rebellious folks would speak out against them and they would act like they were the victims defending themselves dude you guys cheated there's no reason to Act like you need to go on the offensive. No, 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 no. That's not the way to manage that. You should actually circle back and just say, you know what? We messed up. We're sorry. And now we're going to come and just play as hard as we possibly can this season. We'll let the chips fall where they may. But instead, you kind of galvanize around each other. And then it's one thing if you go on and you win it. But you don't. You lose. You lose. You don't get to the World Series. And your manager is gone, right? AJ Hinch is out. Jeff Luna, who put the whole team together, is gone. Now, Garrett Cole is out. George Springer just left. So now what you got is a team that is even a shell of the team that won. You you it doesn't seem very likely that a team with Justin Verlander probably not going to be able to play, right? I mean, it's very likely that Justin Verlander we've seen him throw his last pitch. It's very likely. Yeah. And so that you don't even have the the team. And so rather than showing contrition and then people maybe coming back and rooting for you some sort of an underdog story, no, you decide to be defined. Now everyone's rooting against you. So you set yourself up in the situation, detention, Houston Astros. I know that you want to rebut that, Mr. Rainsworth, so please go ahead.
1: <laughs> my my biggest rebut would be, you know, you say, like, you tell a middle school student, like, at least fake an apology. I would argue they definitely faked an apology a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> that was the I, worst fake
0: apology ever. <laughs> you are so right, though. You are right. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think my bigger thing on that is that, like, it's like you're saying, because of the timing of the story, like – had the story come out in the spring of 18, right, after the World Series had just happened, the Astros continued to play baseball very well for a couple of years, right? Um, and, and, like, again, four straight ALCSs. Like, that, a very strong baseball team. But because of the timing of the story, it's also timing up with the fall apart part of the team. Because if you ask someone in 2017 how long will this thing last? You probably wouldn't have had people guessing past 2020 or 2021, right? Like, like honestly asking someone in the Houston Astros dugout, like, you know, without major turnover and bring in some diamond in the rough that, you know, you steal or whatever, like, how long does this thing last for? There's no way they're launching it past 2020 anyway. But the fact that it came out in January of 2020 or like it went public in January of 2020, and now we're looking in 2021. It's like you're saying, like they're falling apart. Freelanders probably done. Garrett Cole came and left. Uh, they didn't keep Dallas Keuchel, who was on the 2017 team, right? They Springer is gone. Tuve is a little bit older, and he's not very big. So how long does that last for? And you know Bregman's kind of all that's left, and he was clearly the most shaken by the the way that the public perceives the Astros now like he he like doesn't enjoy being the villain as much as the other guys i I, I guess I just look at him like, oh man, like it really is over, and it all went down in flames but I, I, I think that we go back to our argument, not to detention ourselves, but the big argument we've had since then is asterisk versus no asterisk on like anything
0: no absolutely I will say that maybe we should go star them because how many asterisk thesis were we able to steal from that right <laughs> um, <laughs> I, my My number one detention is Rudy Gobert, and I understand why folks might be like, move off of Rudy Gobert, I get that, but here's what you have to understand. For me, Rudy Gobert is the face of sports shutting down. He's the face of sports shutting down. Sports shut down because Rudy Gobert got COVID, and it's one thing if you look at him and he was doing everything he possibly could, but he was the dude who was joking about it and touching everyone's microphone. He's the dude that didn't seem to take it seriously, and then all of a sudden, his teammate Donovan Mitchell gets it. Like, he is the face of sports shutting down because of his callousness and carelessness with regard to COVID-19. And oh, by the way, I understand that only the NBA shut down because of Rudy Gobert. Everyone else shut down because the NBA shut down. Therefore, Rudy Gobert is the face of sports shutting down. And he will always be that to me. He will always be a villain to me because of that. I honestly believe that it's the reason why when Shaq went at him so hard, people don't care. Like people don't care if you <laughs> get on Rudy Gobert because to them he is the face of all sports shutting down. Well, and people cared a lot
1: more when he went at Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, but what I will say too about Rudy Gobert is he was just so nonchalant about the disease the whole time before he got it, right? With the way he was touching all the microphones with the silly things put in place, he thought this. Why is this making sense? He like touched all the microphones before he left the podium, whatever. And then he got it, and we're sitting there, and again in March, not knowing much about the disease yet because it's like less than six months old. And we're like, does that now mean everyone that was reporting on that game has it? Like we we really don't know, right? We have no idea. Um, so they have to get crazy tested the night the NBA shut down. I don't know if people like really broken down or looked at or gone back and looked at because we didn't know anything. Those guys and everyone in the facility be- beneath the bleachers, so to speak, right? Everyone working the game was there just like five a m getting tested and this and that and like because no one knew what was happening, whereas now we kind of understand like immediate close contact and it's probably just players and coaches and, and those kinds of things like no one knew anything like does the whole stadium have it right i I will say part of the reason I gave him an honorable mention though and not a full out detention is because a I think in you know however many months later now, like almost a year. We can sit here and realize, like, oh, clearly we like anyone can get this. It's not just people being stupid that can get this. Um, it, it, it happens very, but it helps. Just it helps. Yeah, it definitely helps you get it if, if that's the case. And then the second thing I'll say is like you've heard me talk about him. I, I wasn't super high on him before, <laughs> like, like, so I can't tell. I can't tell what as far as my feelings of him go from me feeling like he is an overrated player before versus. He's just kind of a schmuck now, and I, I, and he's not a schmuck of a basketball player. I shouldn't say that, but like he's certainly the laughing stock of the NBA in a lot of ways from time to time.
0: Let me just say that if you were a University of Kentucky basketball fan and you had potentially a national championship canceled because Rudy Gobert is an idiot, you probably would have him higher on your list too. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of F in sports like literally edition number 52 or 53 or something like that right because yeah. that's how many yeah, weeks yeah. are in a year um <laughs> thank you guys for listening for the entire year whether you have been listening the entire time or whether you jumped in late we appreciate all of our listeners all of our subscribers all the folks who support the podcast and speaking of supporting podcasts you know sometimes teachers <laughs> need a side hustle so uh, mr ainsworth Has a little side project that he has been working on, (laughs) midweek, mid-range, another belly-up gem. Mr. Ainsworth, you want to talk to us a little bit about your new project? Yeah, what's crazy is I would have called talking about sports, whether it's writing or talking on this
1: podcast, my side hustle. So it's a side hustle to the side hustle. Um, What I will say is, so midweek, mid-range is a weekly podcast starting this Wednesday, February 10th. Uh, whether you're trying to get into basketball right after the Super Bowl because football's over or you need something to do or you're you're a diehard Hoops fan and you just want to figure out some way to get more of it in, we're going to be live every Wednesday night uh, at 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you can find us all over social media at Midweek Midrange. We also have a YouTube channel that we'll be posting it to afterwards, at least by the next morning, if not before that. And I guess the, the goal of it is we have a lot of great basketball talent at Belly Up Sports. Uh, we have a lot of good writers, whether it's beat writers for like Charlotte Hornets, or whether it's people that like to write jokes, or whatever the case may be. Right, We have a lot of different uh, entertaining personalities, I'll say, on the Belly Up Hoops side. The Slack channel is always fun. And basically, this is our chance for, and it's really me steering it, but it's not me doing everything because I want to give everyone on the group a chance to talk more in front of a microphone. I think we've got a lot of cool voices that people need to hear and it's a chance to do and like so I am running it and I will be on it frequently but I am not the only voice. You'll hear a lot of people either at Jade or Luke Graham or Shannon Walsh, uh, Hoops Department Head or... I got Jamal. He just goes by Jamal. I don't actually know his last name. He's, under- <laughs> my, He's like uh, Madonna. My first- Sinbad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jamal. Um, <laughs> and so we we got several folks right hopping on, and it'll be great. And there'll be a cast, a rotating cast of characters throughout the show all year long, uh, and we'll be running with this frankly as long as you guys are listening to it talking about basketball every Wednesday night live <laughs> I'd like to tell you like some weekly segments would be things like Wednesday night right so I'll tell you things we either wrote or read that were interesting that week we'll you know talk about hot tea or cold tea because we're presented by Yeti just like this podcast is so click on the link in our social media bios but yeah
0: absolutely Valentine's Day is coming up everyone needs some stuff
1: <laughs> but hot tier cold tea because a Yeti cup holds both we'll be looking at you know whether a rumor is hot or cold in the NBA and then there'll be something random for the week I'm sure because every week in the NBA seems to have a different set of storylines whether it's in or out of season frankly and so we'll be doing
0: weekly NBA talk at the midweek mid-range so be sure to pull up absolutely that'll check that out Wednesdays uh go on the YouTube page now go ahead and subscribe that way you can check out the live streams that are coming out every Wednesday and you never know you might catch another teacher on there every so often. <laughs> um uh, Mr. Ainsworth, go ahead, hit folks with our F in sports socials if you would.
1: Yeah, you can find me specifically at Painsworth512 on Twitter and Instagram. That's at p a i n s w o r t h. 512. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. We have a show Twitter handle that's at FN Sports 2. That's f i n s p o r t s Number two, you can find us. You can find our friends being retweeted all the time. I also respond with Dash PA if it's me.
0: Shaka, use Dash CC if it's him so you can know who you're talking to. And Shaka, we got Instagram too. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. If you follow me on those you'll see a lot of pizza here lately i'm big into it i'm good at it friends thank you guys for listening for the past year we absolutely appreciate you and for those of you guys who are new to the pod please go out like subscribe share do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast and please remember when it comes to sports don't flunk with us later guys